Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the Friday edition, where today Congressman Lee Zeldin of the great state of New York, someone who played a major role, along with Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, Devin Nunez, in unraveling the Russia collusion scandal. He's here. We're going to talk about Russia, of course, but he has a lot of thoughts on election integrity, on uh, what the Democrats did, what Mark Zuckerberg has done in the election to influence the election and the electors. And he's going to be here to talk about that. It's a great interview. Uh, Congressman Zeldin always has a lot of new ideas, new thoughts. Uh, he likes to solve problems, not just complain about them. And we're going to talk about what's possible. What can we do to get a, the trust back in our election system that 40, 50, 60 percent of Americans don't currently have? That's an important point. Uh, whether there's fraud or uh, enough uh, problems with votes to overturn or change the election is still an open question. But the idea that a large uh, segment of um, the American population does not trust these results, does not trust the results. We have people saying they voted and their vote hasn't been counted. We have people who said they didn't request ballots and their ballots are listed as having been cast. Uh, we have um, uh, people uh, saying that they went and were forced to vote provisionally, even though they had no problem. We've got election workers like Jesse Jacob saying that uh, they were ordered to create fraudulent ballots by backdating. Uh, we need to get those issues eliminated from the system. We're better than that. This is the greatest democracy, the greatest constitutional republic ever built in the world. And the idea that our election system would have doubts would have election observers cast out, uh, we're better. We can fix it. And uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin is here today to talk about that. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, and then we do a quick little uh, ditty on something we broke last night that's an important story. It's exclusive to Just the News. It's a data analysis that is part of our voter election integrity, uh, voter election integrity project. Uh, but for the first time, a uh, math expert, a data expert, uh, has made an extrapolation about the state of uh, Pennsylvania. I think it's real important. We're going to tell you about it when you get back. But let's first hear from our great advertisers and sponsors. Hey, folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you gotta do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. So excited. In a few minutes, we're going to have the Congressman Lee Zeldin of New York here, a very important voice on Russia, on Ukraine, on election integrity. We're going to talk to him about all those things. Buckle your seatbelt. You're not going to be disappointed. This is an important uh, conversation. Uh, But before we get there, I wanted to quickly uh, tell you about a story we broke last night on Just the News. It's still at the top of the site. You can't miss it. It's getting a lot of attention. There is um, uh, the Election Integrity Project that we've done here at Just the News. We've partnered with various people at various times. Matt Brainerd, former data scientist, data chief for the 2016 Trump campaign. He doesn't have anything to do with the 2020 campaign. He's among the partners and people that we've been talking to, working with, uh, analyzing their data, writing stories about doing due diligence, as we should as reporters. And Matt Brainerd, Uh, did a a data analysis of Pennsylvania mail-in ballot voters. And uh, we uh, separately did our own survey of Pennsylvania mail-in voters, people who requested ballots or who are listed as voting by mail-in ballot who said, I didn't request that ballot. And you saw that story the other day from Daniel Payne and Christine Dolan, two great reporters uh, here at Just the News. And... um, what happened is when the complete data analysis was done by Matt Brainerd that matches sort of what we did at Just the News, uh, he brought in a math professor, a data expert, a data scientist uh, by the name of Stephen J. Miller. He's a professor of mathematics at Williams College uh, in Williamstown, uh, Massachusetts. And Miller took a look at two things the full election ballot data and the data sets that Matt Brainerd had obtained, and then uh, about 2,500 phone interviews that were done with voters in Pennsylvania who flagged concerns. And there were two buckets of concerns because we saw it in our own um, data, in our own uh, analysis. There are one set of voters who said, um, I think someone else obtained my Uh, mail-in ballot. I'm listed as voting or I'm listing as having requested a ballot and I didn't request it and I didn't fill it out. And then there was a second group who said, I um, uh, filled out an absentee ballot. I requested it. I filled it out. I'm a Republican and my vote is still listed as uncounted, which is very strange given that we're more than two weeks past the election day. It means Unlikely that these votes are going to be counted before election day uh, or before, excuse me, before uh, the certification day. So uh, Stephen Miller did a statistical analysis based on a sample of 2,500 interviews, more than 160,000 ballots that were in the data analysis center that uh, Matt Brainerd had. He came up with the first ever um, statistical analysis saying, I can say with a high degree of expertise, because I'm an expert uh, mathematician, he is Yale trained, Princeton trained. He works at uh, the Williams College, which is a small but very respected school university up in Williamstown College. He estimates as many as 100,000 mail-in ballots are suspect, are questionable. There are reasons to flag these ballots. And let me read you from his um, uh, sworn 
uh, statement, declaration, uh, you know, uh, submitted under penalty of perjury. This is Stephen Miller from yesterday. Uh, I estimate, I'm reading directly from Stephen Miller's sworn declaration. I estimate that the number of ballots that were either requested by someone other than the registered Republican or requested in return but not counted range from 89,397 to 98,801. That's a big number. This is uh, a data analysis projecting out using science, mathematical science. This is an expert, somebody who probably would be received in the court of law uh, as an expert witness. He says there is almost as many as 100,000, up to 100,000 ballots in Pennsylvania, either that haven't been counted from Republicans or that were requested in the name of a voter, but the voter wasn't the requester, and therefore they could have been fraudulently submitted. This is Stephen Miller, professor of mathematics, sworn uh, declaration, uh, something that is uh, you know, likely to be accepted in court. He's got good credentials. He's written for good academic uh, magazines with peer review. He is a good mathematician, trusted mathematician, and he submits this now. This is the sort of evidence that now can go into court that can be uh, used in an evidentiary hearing by private or uh, campaign officials to raise questions. Now, when you hear almost 100,000 votes, why is that significant? Well, it's more than the number of votes that currently separate Donald Trump and um, Joe Biden in Pennsylvania. It's larger than the spread. And uh, it could mean that, uh, you know, by his estimate, there could be anywhere from uh, 48,000, uh, 44 to 48,000 Republicans who didn't have their absentee ballot counted. And then there is another 40 to 53,000, 40,000 to 53,000 of ballots who could, uh, are ballots that were requested in the name of a registered Republican by someone other than that voter, meaning someone took that ballot and may have even voted with that ballot. That's a big number. And we went out to some experts last night in Kerry Sheffield who worked with um, Daniel Payne on this story that we broke, you know, and I, uh, she interviewed the current chairman of the Federal Election Commission who said this affidavit by Stephen Miller is new evidentiary proof that advances the belief that some form of fraud occurred in this these battleground states, including Pennsylvania. That's the Federal Election Commission chairman, the chief of election uh, law in this United States, the Federal Election Commission, the chairman, told just the news that this Stephen Miller affidavit is that, I'm sorry, declaration, it's not an affidavit, it's a declaration, is that important that it actually would be accepted in the courts as prima facie proof of potential fraud, irregularities, unusual behavior in the election. And think about it. If uh, this Stephen Miller is right, if his projection is right. Now, remember, you've already heard just the news from people who said my ballot wasn't counted, even though I filed it. Uh, I didn't request a ballot. Someone else must have because it's shown as sent and filed and voted. Uh, we've already given you real voices of real people who say to this on the record with their name in Pennsylvania, these irregularities happen. But Miller projects out and based on a small sample of 2,500 people we interviewed and 160,000 mail 
mail-in ballots that we reviewed, it is highly likely that there is as many as 100,000 suspect ballots of either people who voted in the name of another or requested a ballot in the name of the other and voted, and uh, people who voted and have not had their um, vote counted, and they are Republicans, meaning they're most likely to have leaned toward Donald Trump, the Republican candidate in this election. And there's only 81 to 82,000 people who are votes that are separating the two candidates. So the estimate that Miller gives covers enough votes to at least call into question potentially the lead if his analysis is correct and accepted by a court. So that's why this is important. You can read the affidavit. You don't have to take my name word for it. You can read the affidavit yourself by clicking on the link in the dig in tool in our story. But check his story out um, in a sworn declaration. A math expert uh, says there is a, as many as 100,000 ballots in Pennsylvania that should be questioned. That's the general headline. You can find it easily. Read the affidavit. Dig into the data yourself. See see it for yourself. That's the sort of stuff we do every day here at Just the News. And when we get back, another thing we do every day here is we interview important people for their insights. And we're about to do that right after the commercial break. Congressman uh, Zeldin, Lee Zeldin of the great state of New York, Republican, is joining us. You're going to want to hear his um, analysis of the election integrity issues that are emerging right after this commercial break. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, the congressman from the great state of New York, the first district of New York, Lee Zeldin, joins us. Congressman Zeldin, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It's great to be with you. It is good to have you on. You, you've played such an instrumental role in a lot of the great revelations that we, we learned about Russia collusion. I want to turn to that in a second. Uh, but we have this amazing hanging election going on. And as a member of Congress, as somebody who believes in law and order, I wonder if you could give us a little thought, your thoughts on where we are in the process and what concerns you most about what you've seen and the, the evidence that has been brought forward so far. Apparently, there's a lot of our country that needs a refresher on what is the process. And when I say that the country needs a refresher, it applies to some of the people who get paid to do this stuff for a living. Uh, They they should be the last ones to need a a refresher. Uh, But those in the media who decided on November 4th or November 5th, that's it. All Trump supporters need to sit down, shut up, suck it up, uh, that they lost, deal with it. That's not how the process works. The media is not written into the Constitution as the final step of this process. You know, you count the ballots. You finish counting the ballots. Maybe if the race is close, you have a recount. There may be legal issues, and then you might see legal actions brought. 
there's history of that. Everyone remembers what happened in oh, sure. 2000 cases went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, you have to sit electors in each of these states, and then all of this comes to the House of Representatives. This is a process that is known to take months in order to get to what is obviously culminating event in the inauguration takes place every four years. Uh, so this idea that on November 4th or November 5th, by media declaration, that's the end of the process, you don't even have to finish counting. Uh, that refresher that's, that's needed for our country is actually first and foremost needs to be delivered to those who get paid a whole lot of money to be supposedly educating people. But in many cases, they're actually dumbing uh, Americans down. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, isn't it crazy? It's just uh, and, and it seems like in this election, every aspect of the um, elite, the educated, the allegedly trained and prepared have been wrong. And I, I, I want to go to something that is probably closer to home for you. But I remember going into the final days of the election, I, I saw a 538 poll that claimed that your race was a dead heat in in your district. And of course, the vote came out and it was anything but a dead heat. It was a quite, a, quite an expanse. Even pollsters, media um, the election experts, the election integrity experts, uh, the constitutional experts, everybody seems to have had this year wrong. And I, I, why do you think that is? Is it just that we're in a, a period of incredible strife that people are they used to rely on data and be honest are now trying to hijack the data, hijack the story? What makes for all this silliness? I mean, you, you were never at a dead heat race. What, what, what makes for all this silliness, I think? One is a desire to control a narrative. Two is that many pollsters don't want to put their neck out there in boldly predicting what turnout will look like in the next election. They often do their methodologies of their polls based off of his, a historical turnout analysis of past elections. And because of that, when you don't consider the fact that every presidential election is unlike any prior presidential election, if you really want to nail your poll, if, if you want to have your methodology spot on accurate, you're going to have to put your neck out there. You're going to have to uh, put your reputation out there a little bit on the line and, and say this is how the next election is going to be a little bit different from any election we've seen in the past. The other thing is that at the end of this past campaign, when you saw President Trump going to four five rallies a day right. across the states uh, all over the country, it sent a very powerful message to uh, what's known as a low propensity voter. A high propensity voter is someone who's coming out every time there's an election. I mean, they'll show up for you know the local school board, library trustee, anything that there's a vote, they're going to show up. They're always there. The low propensity voter, there are people who come out, maybe in the last four years, they came out zero times right. or one time. And they feel like maybe their vote doesn't count, especially if they're in a state that's very red or very blue. Uh, you know, they, their state is definitely going to be going to Trump or definitely going to Biden, so it doesn't make a difference. And voting will be a game-time decision. But when they saw how hard the president was working in those final days, it sent a message to those people like, listen, I'm gonna, I don't mind waiting on a line for 70 minutes if this president is able to do this all day, every single day. So I would say that, uh, you know, one is the methodologies just weren't accurate, and two – I think you actually did have a GOP surge in the final days because of uh, the, the president's efforts. And the very last thing, and I'll say super quick on the first topic that we discussed, is that if you have evidence of one person committing an act of, of voter fraud that impacts one ballot – 
Well, we should be we should take that seriously. We should do something about it. And we should a send a message, point. and there should be deterrence. And if there's a voter irregularity, if there's an issue because you can't allow observers to go close enough, or you're curing uh, defects in ballots in in one county of a battleground state, but where Joe Biden is doing well, but not another county where Trump is doing well, any issue that we see, large or small, whether it's a voter fraud, clear cut fraud, or it's just something that's wrong with the system that needs to be improved, I care about all. All of that, and that's regardless of whether my candidate is in first place or second place. Yeah, this is so much bigger than Trump v. Biden, right? This is about are we going to count votes in an honest way, in a transparent way? What are the things that you've heard that most concern you? I mean, it's almost, uh, I, I did a story a couple of weeks ago that said there was an election not that long ago where election observers were thrown out, uh, where a turnout rate in some precincts were reported to be of 90%, and where mobile ballot boxes for collection points were moved around. And the United States decried that, oh, that was in Ukraine in 2004. And all that happened in this election. When you look at some of the things that um, have gone on this election. What most concerns you about the behaviors, the, the fail-safe points that may have failed us? Well, for one, the attitude that the system is tamper-proof and error-proof as long as your candidate wins. That, that very basic mentality and principle that's out there amongst many across our country is, is so wrong. Uh, the, the, and we have to get over that hurdle. And two, getting back to you know the first uh, point that we were going back and forth on is that there is a process. Then three is the direction that we go from here and what lessons we want to learn based off of the vulnerabilities, the weaknesses that have exposed themselves. Now, we covered some of them, you know, that, that there should be consistency across the state of how defects and ballots are cured, right. uh, the dates that a postmark uh, needs to be on that ballot by the, uh, the the process of you mentioned election observers being able. I think a candidate should have a right to have someone witness up close the process of, of viewing that ballot and opening and counting though that ballot. And that's about transparency and integrity and that everyone can have trust and faith in the process. The signature verification uh, as well. Flaws in same day voter registration. What's wrong with ballot harvesting, which was legalized uh, out in California and House right. Democrats want to legalize all across the entire country, uh, and they also want to ban voter ID. Both of those in the HEROES Act, what they called their coronavirus response bill that is pending right now, uh, those, are, those are items totally unrelated to coronavirus. So I'm just giving you a sampling of, of some of the issues, but we have – you know, New York State, you can be illegally in our country, go get a driver's license, get registered to vote and actually vote. And there's nothing in the system to vet that person illegally in their country to make sure that they don't get added to the voter rolls. As a matter of fact, if you don't opt out, you're going to be automatically added uh, to the voter rolls. Wow. I have in my district, uh, we have a stack of paperwork of people who over the course of the last many years – are legally in our country, registered to vote, actually voted in my congressional district, and the only reason why we know about them is because they outed themselves as part of the process of becoming U.S. citizens. Right. In order to be a U.S. citizen, U.S. citizen, they have to contact the Suffolk County Board of Elections in my home county and say, please remove me from the voter rolls because I'm applying to be a United States citizen. Everything that we're talking about here should all be items that our entire country, left, right, conservative, 
liberal, Republican, Democrat, we all should be on the same page to fix, to make our system stronger. But some people benefit and gain power by ignoring them. And, and quite frankly, a lot of people don't have any motivation. There's a saying, winners never remember, losers never forget. There are people who are happy that they win, and they don't care about anything that, that happened that was wrong in order for them to get there. Yeah, that does seem to be a new ethos in America. It's really kind of scary in politics, particularly um, the mail-in voting expansion, which obviously was uh, uh, thrown in accelerant with COVID-19. Is it here to stay? Do you think it goes back to a normal election when COVID goes back? And and is Congress or the legislatures prepared to deal with some of the, the thorny issues that you know surfaced in the middle of this uh, election? I think that uh, Congress at this particular point uh, is in the, it is totally deadlocked because Nancy Pelosi cares about one vote and one vote only, and that's the vote to be the Speaker of the House at the beginning of January, and she needs to get to 218 votes, and I don't know if she's going to get there, and I, I'm not a fan of Nancy Pelosi, and I believe the House Democrats would be smart to replace her right. as the Speaker of the House. Uh, and between her, Hoyer, and Clyburn, they have now served collectively over 100 years in the House of Representatives. All she's focused on is that one vote. I'll tell you what, despite the fact that I believe she should be replaced and her time has come and gone, that uh, I, I will tell you, if she figures out how to get to 218 votes at the beginning of January, I'm going to be impressed with her skills and ability to, to put those votes together. But anything that is good for our country right now, legislatively, for us to be doing this month, next month, or even as you look towards the beginning of 2021, uh, I think that there's a, a total um, – a, 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 this distraction that's in front of us is, is resulting in total gridlock where I can't predict anything is going to get done until that, the House Democrats, which you know they're in charge of the chamber – uh, are able to figure out who's in charge yeah. and they can move forward. And who's Unfortunately, to follow, right? Is it AOCs? Is in it a way, Biden's? you could yeah. say that this is. You could say it's a good thing because you know when it comes to ballot integrity, we they've shown their stripes. What they want to pass is actually legislation that makes it you know easier to do ballot harvesting, legalizing that nationally, or banning voter ID across right. our entire country. So uh, you know maybe you could say it's a good thing that they're not legislating on this issue anytime soon. The um, Republican caucus did so much better than the media and the pollsters predicted. You pick up seats. You actually really shrunk the majority quite a bit in the House. Uh, what do you attribute that to, and how does that set the party up for 2022? I think that the president's campaigning over the course of the last few days of this election especially uh, greatly contributed to the success of House Republicans uh, when it came to the November 3rd tallies that we were seeing, it resulted in a GOP surge, uh, one that you could say that the uh, the stars were aligned going into the last few days. You could say that uh, that there was a lot of uh, legwork uh, that the president and others have put into it to set up this scenario. Uh, but there, there's nothing that I would credit more to the massive surge of Republicans who showed up uh, on Election Day. There's nothing to credit more than the president's uh, campaign activities in those final days and also Joe Biden's lack of campaign activities yeah, uh, yeah, throughout the entire campaign, including the last few days. Uh, and I, I think it, it motivated people to put on the, the war paint and storm the hill. Yeah, and you see it in the numbers. I mean, I, I look at I, I, I spent some long time in Wisconsin when I was a young reporter, and 
Donald Trump got 200,000 more votes than any Republican in the history of Wisconsin on November 3rd. I mean, it's just mind-boggling to see that surge in growth of voters. And um, it, it really was a, an incredible mobilization. There's no doubt. And so you're, in some ways, um, it, uh, it was a bootstrap effect. It, it brought more people in to also vote down ticket for, for members of Congress. Do you feel good about 2022? Do you think 2022 is the year that Republicans can, can take control of the House again? Republicans are going to win back the House in 2022. Uh-huh. And the, the Democrats are going to not just have a lot of difficulty in their efforts to hold the house. I I just don't think that they're going to be able to do it. And, and that would be if I gave them a whole lot of benefit of the doubt on many different items. Uh, But this is a fractured house democratic caucus. And, and you have too much power concentrated into a very few number, a few amount of far left members uh, sucking all of the oxygen out, and you know the Democrats could spend as much time as they want uh, pushing back on uh, claims that they want to defund the police uh, or or anti-Semitism right. uh, or uh, you know, the Green New Deal or Medicare for all. If you keep empowering a very small number of your members and you give them that outsized influence uh, over so much of the agenda and the rhetoric and uh, and and the policy messaging, it, you can't push back on, on many of of these things. You can try to, um, but but don't tell me that your party doesn't stand for defunding the the police if you're not going to take on uh, you know Elon Omar. And yeah. Don't don't say that you know your party is a, you know doesn't stand for the Green New Deal when. Joe Biden actually put it right onto his campaign website, uh, and you want to try to wordsmith Medicare for all, and you say, "Well, no, we're just we're in favor of a single payer uh, system, but we're not in favor of getting rid of private insurance." Do you really think that the voters are that dumb that they can't <laughs> figure out what single payer means? Yeah. And the anti-Semitism piece, by the way, is one that I actually, I, I mean, I really do root for. Uh, you know those who are sane members of the Democratic Party to be successful in in tackling and in, to identify, confront, and crush anti-Semitism in the ranks, and also that the likes of Alinda Sarsour, Tamika Mallory, uh, and, and Louis Farrakhan, and others with connections and alliances to their party. Some are in the halls of Congress: Elon Omar, Rashida Tlaib. Some have connect close connections to members of Congress. Others are in their activist base. I'm an American first, not a Republican first. I want the Democratic Party to be successful in rooting out anti-Semitism in, in their ranks. Um, but you know, for the Democrats to keep control of the House of Representatives, they're going to do a heck. They're going to need to do a heck of a lot more in confronting an element of their party that's getting way too much power. Um, it's a, uh, you're seeing it play out already. I mean, we're not, we're still in the the hanging election period, and already the knives are out, and the the uh, the uh, tug of war has begun to tug this party further and further left, the Democratic Party. And uh, I think it probably will be the dominant story of the next term of the House. Uh, when you, um, I want to switch to our one of our topics that we covered a lot in the prior times we've been together, but I, I really feel like Americans are still craving some finality to the Russia collusion story. You played such an important role with people like Jim Jordan and, and Devin Nunez and, and Mark Meadows in getting the seminal documents out. How do you feel about 
the the case as we head into the finality of this year. Uh, are you satisfied we've got all the documents we need out? And what do you think of the state of the Durham probe? Well, I mean, you got it right there at the end of your question. Uh, top <laughs> of mind is the Durham probe. Yeah. You know, where where are the, Where's the accountability? We know the crimes were committed. Uh, we know that many different crimes were committed. This isn't some conspiracy theory. This isn't debatable. We know that crimes were committed. I mean, there's no way for you to be providing classified information to the Washington Post about Michael Flynn during the transition without committing a crime. That's right. Uh, and and the, 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 this entire timeline, when you, you know about uh, the, the FISA abuse and the withholding of, of key facts to, to the court, uh, and, and actually the more you learn, the, the more you realize you know, just, just how bad it is. But before uh, so many of the developments, especially during that time where Rick Grinnell was the acting director of national intelligence, when the public finally got a chance to read so much of it, uh, for themselves, we knew early on that that there was misconduct at the highest levels of the DOJ uh, and FBI. I I feel, and I believe that many Americans are very satisfied in um, in in knowing facts to be able to form our own independent judgment exactly. to decide what happened. The missing piece is the accountability and. And, you know now, you know, I, I mean, th- there's just, I mean, if you if you had a, a Biden administration uh, taking over, you know, I, I don't I don't see any shot yeah. of there being accountability. As a matter of fact, I, I think that's one of the uh, the most important acts is going to be ensure that none of this sees the light of day. Yeah, no, that's right. And there are reports today that Sally Yates, who obviously played a very important role in proving one of the bad vices is on the short list to be attorney general. So you're going to see some potentially if a Biden administration does take office on January 20th, that's still an if, but if they did, um, you know, you're going to see some of these retreads from the Russia case perhaps come back and, and, and get into powers of response, uh, positions of responsibility again, and uh, they won't you, have you been can, held. You can count on it. They actually, yeah. uh, th- that qualifies you for these positions of power in the Democratic Party. Adam Schiff became the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, which became the House Impeachment Committee, because of his ability to lie, yeah. because of his ability to tell stories and to push th- this parity through the process to be able to orchestrate an impeachment like what we witnessed uh, last year at the beginning of this year. They actually look for this in your CV uh, and, and in your interview as a skill that qualifies you for more positions of responsibility. Uh, so, you know, th- this isn't something that is a, you know, a flaw. And they say, well, we're not going to let the perfect be enemy of the good. This is actually a, a trait that y- you see empowered in Congress and empowered in the executive branch. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a bad trait to have continued on, but it clearly it clearly does go on. You see it. Um, we have a poll out today at Justin News that says that a vast majority of Americans say that there are enough questions about the Hunter Biden, Ukraine, uh, China, Russia business dealings with Joe Biden, the conflicts of interest that a special prosecutor should be um, should be named. It should be done now. Now, don't wait for the next president. Do it now. Uh, what do you think of that? I know conservatives often are distrustful of adding special prosecutors, and we had the whole Mueller uh, situation. But uh, do you think there's more to be investigated there, and and do you think there's a will to do it? Uh, there absolutely is more to investigate there, and 
uh, it can't possibly be legal as we were seeing in the, the the days before the election the evidence that was coming out the hard evidence the testimonials the individuals coming forward right. uh, the, the emails the, the hard drives uh, there was an overwhelming amount of evidence that the Biden family was engaged in this dirty money scheme of selling access to the highest levels of the United States government in order to enrich their family. And some of that evidence was directly connecting dots and implicating the vice president himself yeah. you know, as That's part so of shocking. that scheme. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, he was the this is. Yep. Yeah. There's no doubt. And uh, the, there was a new report that Senators Johnson and Grassi put out yesterday, and you know, they really connected the dots to, one, this guy, that Yi, who's directly uh, tied to the Chinese Communist Party, the Chinese Communist government. And his role for the Chinese is to try to buy a stake in the state-owned uh, uh, Russian-controlled company called Rosneft. And Hunter Biden sits right in the intersection of that relationship where he's dealing with the and talking about how he could buy a stake in Russian oil as a Chinese communist um, uh, party member. And um, that's the sort of thing that the media has been ignoring. Do do uh, do you think the Justice Department will do its job on this? And there's obviously enough evidence out there now. You mentioned it, hard drives and witnesses and whistleblowers. Do you feel confident that the Justice Department will get to the bottom of it? So knowing what we know now, the answer would be no. The only thing that uh, I would love to uh, hear on top of that basic statement would be that the investigation that apparently was opened in 2019. Right. And this is something that apparently uh, the, the Department of Justice has been looking into if if we were to get educated uh, that there was some type of an investigation that is further along in the process and the DOJ and FBI is actually what, way on top of it, uh, you know, hey, that I'm I'm all for I'm all ears I'm, I'm I'd be happy to to hear you out I'd love to be pleasantly surprised but I'm not going to just assume that the Department of Justice and the FBI is is about to. Uh, demonstrate that full accountability to this Biden family scheme. Yeah. I just don't expect it, but you know th- there is clearly something that was going on at, at DOJ, FBI that we don't know the full extent of. Right. Um, I, and you know, I, 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 I would hate to leave it all to just hope. Uh, but you know, putting that aside, putting hope aside, uh, and wishful thinking aside, uh, do I have faith at this point? No, and I definitely don't think that a you know if if Joe Biden was was putting his putting an attorney general in and taking office, uh, I I obviously would not expect that attorney general to put a priority of investigating the Biden family. That's right. Yeah, they're not going to be looking under their own uh, pillows. That's for sure, <laughs> no doubt. Well, um, Congressman, I can't thank you enough for all the time. First, for all that you did to help the American public get the truth on Russia. When when this all started, there were very few people looking under the rocks and, and challenging these silly storylines that had been fed to the American people. But you played such an important role in communicating, obtaining, investigating. And on behalf of all of our listeners, I wanted to thank you for that because uh, that wasn't easy. Uh, it wasn't a popular thing to do back then, but um, you played such an important role. And we're, we're so grateful to to have you had done that and also for, for enlightening us today on the show. And and thank you for everything that you're doing. As someone who was in the room during those closed-door depositions, uh, John Solomon's name was coming up, as as you know. 
Uh, and and that was because you were oh, you're always willing to ask the the tough questions and dig deep to try to get answers. Oh, thank you. Uh, and that puts a big target on your back. Oh yes, yes. My father likes to say you made the family name infamous. Now I said, oh, sorry about that, pops. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's uh, you got to ask the hard questions. There aren't enough people doing it, so we're lucky. And I know you did all the time, and we're we're grateful for that. All right, Congressman, we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Take care. Bye-bye. All righty. Folks, we'll be right back after this commercial break to wrap up the day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. What a great interview from Congressman Zeldin. How lucky were we to get him on a Friday to talk to us? Uh, I hope that gives you some food for thought heading into the weekend. We hope that you have a blessed weekend, a safe weekend, a healthy weekend with your family. Uh, wear those masks. Be careful. Be safe. Um, and uh I know we're all getting ready for an important holiday, Thanksgiving. I have so much to be thankful for, including the fact that so many of you listen to today's podcast. I wish you a blessed uh, weekend full of thanks. And uh, we'll be back Monday with new guests, new stories, new breaking news here at justthenews.com. Until then, have a great weekend. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from justthenews.com. 